This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome in, everybody, and happy Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. We are here talking some Gamecocks as we do every week. GC Live Talking Tuesday. I'm Mike Euban. Alongside me, as always, is the one, the only intern Joe. Oh, Cox vs. Catholic shirt. Oh, absolutely. Repping the brand, Mike. Repping the and, brand. And it's incredible, intern Joe, when you think back to that game, mm-hmm. right? You think back to how many tight ends the Gamecocks finished that game with, right, on the roster? How many players are actually healthy still out there, right? And now looking at the roster for what they have for tight ends night and day. We will get into that. We will get into where USC stands on the class of 2023. We will look ahead to the class of 2024 because, of course, USC was able to land a pair of commitments over the last, oh, I don't know, 36, 48 hours. So we'll get into that as well. We'll also look ahead to next week's National Signing Day because, of course, there's a big one. There's a big one. There's a couple other ones in there. Not saying that they're not important, but, of course, the big one is one Nicholas Harbor. So, in turn, Joe, I say all this. I say all this tonight because I feel like we have to start with what happened today. Then we'll work back to what happened yesterday with Eddie Lewis, and then we will kind of move around from there. Sound good? Oh, absolutely, Mike. Ready to go. And for everyone out there tonight, if you want to comment in, we, we hope we fix the, the Wi-Fi issue. Yeah. We hope we fix Prayers the Wi-Fi issue because, of course, I'm still working remotely up in Boston right now. Uh, I will be down in South Carolina next week. I'll be in Columbia for National Signing Day. Very excited for that. We have some good things planned for you as we, uh, again, big stories, Nicholas Harbor. We'll see if the Gamecocks are able to pick up the number one athlete in the country. Um I know there's been rumbles, of course, that maybe wants to play some tight end. But at the same time, too, South Carolina is still recruiting him to be able to go out there and play whatever he wants. And when you're that talented, you should be able to have the ability to do that. So in turn, Joe, speaking of tight ends, let's start with a tight end that signed today to the Gamecocks. One from the state of Georgia, a four-star, 6'4", 224 pounds, and that is Michael Smith. I know our colleague... Chris Clark, God bless him. He's been making moves left and right, up and down, all over the state. Uh, Wes Mitchell was out the other day seeing the signing of Eddie Lewis, or not Eddie Lewis, excuse me, of Cam Pringle the other day. We'll talk about that as well. But let's talk about what we saw today with Michael Smith. Here's a big body. Here's a guy that was getting looked at by schools like Ohio State, Alabama, Texas, Tennessee, This isn't just some schmuck out there, all right? This is a big-body tight end, a guy that, to me, in turn, Joe, he flashes he flashes like a wide receiver. And I feel like, you know, the game, when you talk about the tight end position, 
it's changed so much in the last 10 years. It's changed so much, shoot, really, in the last five years. You see it in the pros. You've seen just how that position mm-hmm. has evolved. We've seen a guy like Hayden Hurst over the weekend. Gamecock fans know him pretty well in the things he's been able to do. So I bring that up because with Michael Smith, he's a big body guy. I feel like he's not there yet from a development standpoint. And a lot of that happens when you're coming out of high school. What I mean by that is that frame, you're going to be able to continue to throw some, some mass on. You're going to continue to you know, easily uh, 10 pounds in the legs once you get thrown into a college weight room. That's a guy that can get really big. That's a guy that has the speed, though, in turn, Joe, to do more than just tight end. Because we can get into it a little bit more in a little bit, but I think so many people are seeing tight end, tight end, tight end, tight end. Don't think of it, like I said, 15, 20 years ago. That tight end position is just different now. The way I would look at it, kind of like we look at, um, you know, some people call it the dog, depends what, you know, what defense you're in. But that hybrid between a linebacker and safety, that's kind of the same now Mm -hmm. with what we're seeing in – college football and just football in general, it's that hybrid. It's that hybrid between, okay, a little bit of an offensive alignment because of block, but more so that receiver too. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. And I think you're, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head. A lot of guys at the tight end position nowadays can play both tight end and wide receiver. You know, they play tight end a little bit because of their blocking expertise and stuff like that. And maybe they are a little bit bulkier, a little bit bigger. I think the advantage with Michael Smith, was that he has his senior year. He's a 2024. He will have his entire senior year of high school to bulk up and he will have the South Carolina weight plan and everything like that. What kind of what Jody Wright and Beamer kind of want him to mold into when he steps foot on campus in 2024. I think it's a really big advantage. It's a really good get by Jody Wright and company. Um, The article said, you know, he chose South Carolina over Arkansas and what we've seen with, since the hiring of Dowell Loggins, there's a lot of tight ends coming over. Trey Knox in particular is the guy I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. And it shows what Dowell can do, right? And, and having guys that he had recruited previously, he's able to flip it over and flip them over and, you know, get, get a couple big flips from, from Arkansas and guys who were maybe considering Arkansas. And then obviously his expertise at the quarterback and tight end position helps astronomically. And, and Michael Smith is an example of that. Now Dante mm-hmm. Reno has a guy to throw to. Like. And, I, and the other thing too, in turn, Joe, and we're seeing some of the comments – Big Red, I'm going to get back to you because I'm sure there's other people on the on this uh, watching tonight that want to get into Harbor. And, you know, I've even seen some people say, you know, would he be interested in coming to South Carolina? I'll just get right out to it and I'll get more into it in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, okay? The best want to play with the best. So I wouldn't worry about that. Um, what I will say, though, what I will say, though, is we go back, and I've said this over the last couple of weeks. I've said this over the last couple of weeks, especially, what, two weeks ago when we found out that Spencer Rattler was returning for another season at South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be a broken record. I'll probably say this throughout spring. But Dal Loggins, okay, he's only been here for, what, a month plus, just over a month, right? Yeah. I've said this before, all right? This isn't deja vu when you hear me say this. Ultimately, he will be judged for what he does as a play caller. He will ultimately be judged for what he does as a play caller. But for all the crap, for all the crap that was said about him, okay, what he's done so far, what he's done so far should not be overlooked. Yeah. One of the things we heard so much about Dell Loggins when he was hired and even leading up to the hire 
was how good of a recruiter he, he was. And you think back to when Shane Beamer first got the job, right, in December of 2020, some of the guys that he added around him, right? We heard so much about guys like Justin Stepp, right? We heard just different coaches, Pete Lembo, Clayton, Clayton White. You just go down the list, how much these guys were dogs and how much they are dogs when it comes to recruiting. So I bring that up because I think it's, an, it's a part of, of the hire that gets lost sometimes. Again, again, ultimately he will be judged for what he does as a play caller. Okay. No one's saying, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, no one's saying let's throw him a freaking parade down main street. All right. Kick out Harris Bastides, you know, have him hop in the car and whip on down to the state. No, no one's saying that right now. Okay. Let's not do that to Harris Bastides. That man deserves a you know statue for crying out loud. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is appreciate this journey. Appreciate where South Carolina is right now and the things that they have to do in order, in order to have that type of success that this fan base is striving for. The bar has been risen. Okay. The bar has been risen. It was it go back to a couple of years ago. Two and eight. Okay. What happens? Seven wins. Bowl win. Okay. Bar's raised. Next season, this past year, what happens? Eight wins in the regular season. Something that's only happened about a dozen times, I think 13 times now, in the regular season in Gamecock history, the 100-plus year history of USC football. So I say those things because in order to take that next step, that next step that this fan base is striving for, this fan base really, really desperately wants, you need to put everything together. You need Mm -hmm. everything together. So the fact that people are coming here Okay, is it just Dow Loggins? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. But if people didn't want to play for him, right? If people didn't want to play for him, they wouldn't be going to USC. Rattler wouldn't have come back. Okay, he could have took his luck going to the NFL. All right. We're seeing certain things happen right now, I, and I truly believe this, intern Joe. And I know I'm rambling at this point, but it should not be overlooked the positive impact that Dow Loggins has had. And that goes for every other coach on the staff too. But again, you're talking about the offensive coordinator, a guy that took a lot of heat before he even stepped foot on this campus. He's done everything. In my opinion, he's done everything that you could have asked for since that hire. Again, he will be ultimately judged for what he does as a play caller. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. And I I do want to add to that. You know, we saw the, the clapback from, uh, Coach Beamer on, on, on the Mark Ryan comment um, regarding, you know, Garrett Riley and going to Clemson. Well, Beamer said he has – he got his guy. And it is showing itself clearly in recruiting, Mike. Like very clearly and evidently giving getting Spencer Rattler back was the number one priority, and Dowell did that. And ultimately, you're right. Dowell will be judged on his play calling. But so far, so good. College football, you need to be able to recruit at a high level. And you know, Dowell is checking that box right now. And yes, ultimately it's going to come down to his play calling, but so far so good. And these all signs are pointing in the right direction. Now we haven't seen any football out of him, but we will. But yes, the offseason stuff, the things that we can talk about right now with Dowell Loggins is doing are good. And we, it, it is very clear and evident that Shane Beamer got his guy. He took a leap of faith. And obviously all the press around it was negative and who the hell is this guy and whatever. Mm-hmm. But now I think the fan base has something tangible that they can look at and say, hey, this is what Dowell is doing so far. This is why he's our guy, and this is why we should have faith in Shane Beamer. It is a very, very, very – like it's it's the first tangible thing that we have mm-hmm. to, to look at 
and saying that he has done this and, and, and so far so good. Right. And I think that it, it exemplified what, what Damer did clapping back at, at Mark Ryan. The Let's other not even day. say his name. Stop. Let's not even say his name. But you can keep going. The, the guy from the upstate, you know, yep. it, it exemplifies everything and, and, and how this fan base feels, especially now with what, what Dowell's doing in recruiting long story short. I'll say this in turn, Joe, right. Cause I want to tie it back into what we saw today. Michael Smith, again, Class of 2024, six-rated tight end for the class, okay? Obviously, a lot needs to happen in, in you know before he signs the USC. And these are the kind of things that, you know, it, it, it can take a while. But as we explained today, and if you haven't seen some of the, the deeper analysis of it, uh, Wes Mitchell did a tremendous job with it. Go check it out on, on GamecockCentral.com. The thing that makes Michael Smith very interesting, and we've seen this a couple times, so far with, with guys that South Carolina has signed, uh, not even in the class of 2024. He saw it in some of the class of 2023 as well. Beamer and this coaching staff have been very quick, very quick on a lot of these talented players. Okay. And there's been some three stars too. I don't want to downplay any player, but what I'm trying to get at is a guy like Michael Smith, USC was the first to offer him. Okay. We talk about that loyalty. Uh, Cam Pringle, which we'll get into in a little bit, okay? I believe Georgia was the first SEC school that offered him. South Carolina was was right there maybe a week or two after. But the point being is they were there right from the beginning as well. So a lot of these players, Beamer and this staff, they have made a point. They have made it a point to be near the front when it comes to recruiting certain players. That's what you have to do. Loyalty, right? We, we, we talk about the word loyalty in college sports right now. You know, do the players have loyalty? Is the loyalty the way it used to be? I mean, certainly things are different, right? And that opens up a, a totally different rabbit hole when you're talking about NIL and transfer point. I understand all that, okay? But as far as recruiting goes, all right, the purity that still exists, because it's still there's still some purity yeah. that, that exists in there. It still means something. It still means something. To a lot of these players, when you are one of those first schools to not to offer them, mm-hmm. okay, especially a Power Five school, especially an SEC school at that, and if you're not the first, like I said for Cam Pringle, if you're towards the beginning of it all, you don't just come in towards the end. And there's going to be players like that, right? I think we saw that with Jaden Robinson, right? Um, South Carolina, I think it was one of the first schools that offered him, and then he flipped to Florida. Well, he was a Florida kid. Okay, so there's there's always going to be outliers, just like there's going to be anything in life. There's always going to be outliers in life. But I bring that up because that loyalty, that commitment that South Carolina showed right from the beginning, it's so easy to get caught up with some of these numbers. Right. In terms of we look at, okay, he's the number six overall player. And that's right now. That's right now. Who's to say who's to say going into the summer? Right. He goes to some of these camps and everything. Who's to say he doesn't go up a little bit higher, okay? Who's to say he doesn't go up a little bit higher? I say that because now, again, if he moves up, I'm making this up, the fourth best tight end in the country, okay? He moves up from, I think he's like the 40-something consensus player right now. He moves up to, you know, top 30. He does stuff like that. Now it's just like, holy cow, look what South Carolina. No, it's because they did this. They laid down the groundwork months beforehand. Months before, and yeah. because of that, now you can enjoy. Now you can enjoy the, that that fruit later on. So I just think you know, again, 
It's not just that we go back to we're talking about with Dal Loggins. You have to do this stuff. You have to have coaches that can connect with players. You have to be able to do that. I think South Carolina is doing a freaking good job with, with it, and it's showing. It's showing right now. I don't know what the number is, intern Joe. It's so early for the class of 2024. Yeah. But I know going into today, I know going into today, they were at number eight. As I mm-hmm. look now, as I look now for the class of 2024, South Carolina is still eight. They're on the heels of Florida State, but they only have three players. They only yeah. have three players. I just think, again, I think it just speaks volumes of what South Carolina is doing right now. Yeah, like absolutely. And I mean, Michael Smith talked about it. He talked about Jody, Jody Wright and how he was very relatable. And I mean, knowing Jody, Jody is a very down to earth kind of guy. Jody, Jody is a guy you want to grab a beer with almost. If I can say that, you know, Jody, <laughs> Jody Wright is Jody's awesome. He's like Seth, uh, Seth Rogan's like brother. I mean, yeah. like, that's the best way to describe it. Jody's great. And like to have a guy like that. And I mean, I'll get into it with Greg Adkins when we talk about Cam Pringle too. And, and Lonnie Teasley, but, you know, having a guy like Jody, who, who is always on, like, he's, he's always, you know, saying like stuff like, Hey, you look good in garnet and black and always reaching out and always making a kid feel like they're at home to have a guy like that. And that, that has always been the theme with Beamer's coaches too. Right. Mike, like mm-hmm. making this place feel like home, making the coaches, like the entire staff is player focused. It's, it's insane. Like we talk about a player's coach and stuff. Now, nowadays, all player or all coaches are all player focused. But I mean, I think South Carolina staff is a great example of that, and you know how player focused it is, and how much Beamer values player input. But you know, having Jody like at this guy's phone and, and just you know always texting him like you know he's your best friend. It feels like you know, and uh, Mike, you've met Jody like as yep. soon as you meet him, you feel like you're his best friend. Like it's he's a very and good thing, recruiter. In the thing too, in the thing too, intern Joe, that shouldn't be overlooked. And we can get into this as well because I think it's an important part. I wrote a piece actually last week about it on Gamecock Central about how NIL, yes, it is It is what's on the mind of a lot of people. But I still think there's one thing out there that can trump it, and that's development. If you can prove that you have a program that can develop players, okay, again, we talked about the word outliers. You're always going to have players that are going to be outliers, right? They, they might not fall in that same category where they're thinking this way. But in my opinion still, okay, in my opinion still, I think that the majority of players, I think what happens is we hear the word transfer portal, NIL, and we understand how big the portal is and how it's growing. But when you look at the reality of it, when you look at the money that a lot of these players are getting, it's not the crazy amount of money that you're hearing thrown around there. Those are the outliers. So I bring all this up because I still feel like a lot of these players, it's easy just to group everyone together, right? It's so easy to do that. A lot of these players, I think, I think still understand the long-term investment by being developed. Okay. Now, again, does that mean if a player leaves to go to another school in the SEC? Because, you know, there's certain situations. I mean, it looked like a guy like Juice Wells, okay? That's a different situation, okay? That's a different situation. He wanted to go play in the SEC. He's been able to prove that he can play in the SEC. And now if he has a hell of a year in 2023, that draft stock's only going to be even higher. Oh, yeah. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is players that want to go to a school because they look at the development. And, you know, Colin Taylor and I, we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks. 
in the last two years, everyone that Beamer has hired has had some type of NFL experience, you know, from a positional standpoint, even Freddie Kitchens as well, right, as an analyst. And I think there's something to be said about that. You mentioned Jody Wright. Jody Wright's right up there. Jody Wright's right up there. So what's the best way to sell a vision to a high school player? Because as Marcus Lattimore told me, the players that go to South Carolina, 99% of them truly believe that they're going to go play in the NFL, that they're going to go play in the NFL. As we know, that's not the case. But in order to sell that vision, in order to sell that vision, and of course it falls back on the player too and how things play out and you know, winning uh, position battles, being the starter, all that kind of stuff. There's obviously multiple layers to it. But being able to play for guys that have coached in the NFL, my goodness. I, I just think you can't you can't put a price on that. And if players truly buy into it, and it's because right now it's so new, right? I mean, Beamer's only been here for two years. Yeah, there's been guys you can look at. Nick Muse came back, played on special teams. That helped him get drafted. But we still need a couple years to fully know, okay, well, this is what Beamer and the staff have been able to do from a development standpoint. If it can happen, if it can happen on top of the winning that's happening, I promise you, I promise you with the NFL talent that they have, and coaches will come and go. It's part of college football. If they can do that in turn, Joe, look out. Look out. That is how you trump NIL. Again, there's going to be outliers. Some guys are going to want to do what they feel like is best for them, but I feel like that's how you adapt. That's how you adapt is you sell mm -hmm. that development part and you show it by having NFL coaches because not every college football coaching staff has the number of NFL coaches or guys that have experience in the NFL like USC currently has. Yeah. Like, I mean, another guy worth bringing up is Sterling Lucas. Yes. Um, we've seen, yeah. We've seen him instrumental in, you know, the development of Dylan Stewart. That's another 2024 target who's a hard South Carolina lean. And I've seen it with my own eyes. You know, Sterling Lucas is playing a big part in Dylan Stewart's recruiting. And also, you know, I, I think, you know, when we got into it about the Jaheim Bell NIL thing and, and all of that, that's it is another thing we talked about is, you know, coaches who have NFL experience and that that next step. Right. It, it is the the next competitive advantage if you aren't necessarily NIL well off as some of these bigger schools. And now, granted, I'm not saying South Carolina isn't, but you're right, Mike, it is the, the other tier of, of recruiting is when you can have guys with NFL experience. Mm -hmm. and I think too, with, if we look at one of the more obvious examples is Spencer Rattler coming back. I think yeah. that was a big thing for him because Dowell Loggins has worked with Matt Hasselback. He's worked with Jay Cutler, guys who have had success in the league. I think it's a big thing for Spencer to come back where, you know, a year where his draft stock might not have been as high as he wanted, come back to a guy who knows the ins and outs about being a pro quarterback. I think that's, you know, it was a big sell. And I think, you know, that's, you're right, Mike, like it's, it's a very big thing for the staff and it's what Shane's trying to do and it's working. It is Intern working. Joe, you said something about the success with some of the guys like Cutler and stuff. I think a lot of people, when they think of the word success, the metric sometimes it's like, all right, it either has to be a 10 or it's going to be a zero. You know what I mean? So when you think of guys like Jake Cutler and Hasselback, are they some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? Certainly not. Okay. But the fact of the, 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 the bottom line is this, they were able to have long NFL careers. Okay. Mm -hmm. The average lifespan of an NFL player is two and a half years. All right. That's the reason why they call it the NFL, not for long. Okay. So the fact that, 
those guys were able to stay in the league as long as they did, number one. And that's not to say that Dow Logdon's worked with them throughout you know, their entire careers. But they were also on teams. Some sh- were shaky teams, you know. So I think it's, you know, for example, and it's backwards. Today in New England, this is a story that we've been following up here. Bill O'Brien's coming back. Gets fired by Alabama, right? They move on from him at Alabama, you know, uh, whatever way you want to word it. I say that because Patriot fans, New England, they're rejoicing because he's proven that he's had success here as an offensive coordinator. So I say that because obviously that's reversed, college to pro. But but the point being is don't judge everything just based on, okay, this is what he did in the NFL. That's how he's going to be. And I feel like we're doing a PR campaign for Dow Loggins today, but it's the God's honest truth. Um, I do want to flip it, though. I do want to flip it. So we talked about Michael Smith, the impact that that he can have here. All right. Um, and there was a kicker, too, that we want to get into because that's a big pickup. Big big pick um, we'll talk about that as well. Let's work back, though. Let's work back to Michael Smith. Quiet one, right? Quiet one. Wasn't this huge announcement? Comes in from Memphis. He was playing Juco. Then he went to Memphis, but before he went to Juco, he played at Rutgers. The thing that I really like about this guy, the thing that I really like about this guy, outside of the fact that he has college experience, which is always good, always good. I feel like when we talk about the transfer portal now, okay, being able to bring a guy in, um, in Eddie Lewis, being able to bring a guy in like Eddie Lewis – he is a guy that has experience playing college ball. And I think that's always good to have in your locker room in some shape, way, or form. Even if it's a guy that, you know, played at the AAC level, right? Um, second team, all conference. But the big thing that stood out to me about him, in turn, Joe, is not just what he does as a receiver, but what he does um, as a returner. I don't know if I did. I, what did I say first? I say Michael Smith at first. Yeah, you said Michael Smith. Um, Sorry about that. Eddie Lewis, um, Lewis, they're coming in left and right. I mean, you know, know. uh, Shane Beamer's not giving us any rest. Um, But, yeah, so, look, his speed, his speed, he averaged about 10 yards of a punt return this year. Um, He had one that he brought back for a touchdown, had a 60-yard return as well. He's a guy that that when when you look at South Carolina, it's not that they don't have guys that can return. But it's, you can never have too many of those guys. You can never have too many because, as we've seen, as we've seen, there's guys that sometimes take a beating. I mean, go back to when Debo Samuel played here. In a perfect world, Debo Samuel would have returned every kick and every punt, okay? And we saw what he was able to do, especially on kickoff return. But unfortunately, Debo went through some injuries, so you needed someone back there. And – I know they experimented with Brian Edwards back there. And Edwards wasn't a guy that that you were, I'd say, concerned about breaking it. He was more of your possession guy. You trusted him, which, you know, not to bring back bad memories, but there was a period of time, South Carolina, when they were rotating guys back there, you weren't even sure if they were going to be able to catch it cleanly. And Brian Edwards was a, was a sure thing. So I bring that up because I just feel like you can never have enough returners um, we know things are going to change up a little bit next season, right? You know, you got Xavier Leggett coming back, but, you know, things change. You want to be able to have as many returners back there as possible. Um, so I think just being able to have a guy like that in there, again, you have experience, 
but you also bring speed and he can make an impact on special teams. And as we've learned with this team, if you can make an impact on special teams, you'll find a way to get on the field. You might not be a starting wide receiver, but if you can freaking do something on special teams, Lembo, Beamer, they'll find a way to get you on the field. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. The thing like I, I like the most about Eddie Lewis is you're right, his speed. You can't have enough speed at the wide receiver position because you never know what's going to happen. Some guys could go down, and that, that, that just happens. That's the nature of football. And to take a chance on a guy like Eddie Lewis, he's proven what he can do at Memphis. To have a guy with his kind of speed, it, it's, 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 really, it's a really big addition because, you know, the upside is so big. He could turn into your number two or, you know, be a big role player at number three, you know, with Xavier Leggett coming back and obviously Juice Wells is your default number one. But, you know, the potential with Eddie Lewis is just so big that, like, you, you can't miss really with, with taking a chance on a guy like that. You know, he can come in and, and really, really produce. Or, you know, he could bottom out. You, you don't really know. But, like, you know, the, the, the ceiling is what really is intrigues me about Eddie Lewis, especially with his speed. And you're right, um, returning kicks and stuff, you know, it, that's so pivotal. And I think Lembo's going to have a lot of fun having him back returning kicks. And also takes a load off Juice Wells, too, a little bit. And, and the rest of the wide receiving core, when you have a guy like that returning kicks and, you know, also makes things fun for, you know, the rest of you know the blockers, everybody on special teams. When you have a guy that can make plays like that, it, and it, and it is explosive as a guy like Eddie Lewis is, it just it lifts the morale. And you know, I'm I'm excited to see him get in camp and interested mm-hmm. to see like how how his camps go and stuff like that, and where he ends up landing in the two deep and, and three deep as as camp and the roster starts to figure itself out. But huge upside on the kid, absolutely huge upside. So that's two, that's two guys. Let's talk about a third, and this was a very big one. Cam Pringle. Cam Pringle. You look at what South Carolina has done, shoot, over the last – and I, I know it goes back over 12 months mm-hmm. as intern Joe throws on his shame. got the shades. It's a big one, Mike, very big one. You look at what they've been able to do from a recruiting standpoint over the last 12 months, but in terms of being able to actually land guys, all that kind of stuff, What they've been able to do really in the last, I'd say, eight months, going back to last summer, um, this coaching staff, you know, it has been incredible because what is the what 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 is one of the number one things that this fan base has just been complaining about? It feels like for the last two years, that's the offensive line. Okay. It's the offensive line. Mm-hmm. So in order in order to fix things, what do you got to do? You got to go out there and you got to go recruit the offensive mm-hmm. line. They've also recruited the D-line too. We know that, right? Trenches, hashtag trenches. But it's mainly been the offensive line in terms of the focus. Again, a lot of talented guys in the D-line too, and I want to undersell that. But what I'm trying to get at is it should not be overlooked how quickly they've been able to go out there and is it fixed right now? No, but they're giving themselves a chance to fix it. That should not be overlooked. That should not be overlooked. The people that gripe all the time saying, why don't we do this? Why don't we have this? Why don't we do this more? They're attacking the thing that South Carolina needs to have the most. Now, that's not to say, especially when you look just where USC is right now, that's not to say that they don't have question marks going into the 2023 season. They have plenty of question marks. Um, I've mentioned before the O-line being one of them because they're losing over 50% of their starting snaps from last season, okay? So they do have some guys coming back. 
they do have some guys coming back, but at the same time too, that's a position when you talk about a rapport with five guys up front, they have unproven talent. That's what I, that's the phrase I always use. They have unproven talent in terms of a cohesive unit. All right. So they're going to have to prove some things. You have some talented young players coming in with this recruiting class on the offensive line. And while we could say, okay, you know, you hope that you don't have to turn to some of them early on because that means that you might be in trouble. It's okay if a guy or two breaks through and they're ready. I'm not holding my breath that some of these freshmen are going to be ready day one. I'm not going to be holding my breath that they're going to be ready uh, even by week week four after the Georgia game or even before the Georgia game week three. But I can see an offensive lineman or two being called upon. And hopefully, you know, knock on wood, no one gets hurt. That's not what I'm saying, but that stands out. So that's right now. But then you think ahead. You think ahead to next season. Excuse me, the next year, 2024. And you see Cam Pringle. By the time Cam gets here, that offensive line, they're going to have a good nucleus. They're going to have a good young nucleus. And who's to say USC doesn't continue to attack the offensive line? That's a position that I'm assuming that they're still going to recruit heavily. They're going to do whatever they can to get the best. And if you're afraid of competition, like Beamer has been saying the last two years, see ya. Okay. There's the door. All right. So and that kind of gets into the tight end thing, which we will we'll talk about in a minute. They're doing a good job of it though. And I think just continuing to build it, Cam Pringle, number one offensive tackle in the country, number one player in the state of South Carolina. We talk about the fence. We talk about that fence. What Beamer's been able to do from a recruiting standpoint, especially with top talent, the people that have been griping, saying, oh, why aren't they going after the homegrown kid? And there's been some talented guys that aren't even necessarily four stars, right? You look at mm-hmm. Nick Eman Worry. You look what DQ Smith was able to do this season for USC. But to be able to get those top-tier guys, guys that Clemson is going after, okay? Don't let the, you know, the hand bones on Twitter say, oh, we didn't really want them. They're being offered to, okay? They're being offered by Clemson as well. These are guys that aren't just, um, well, you know, maybe that's our safety net guy. No, these are guys that are some talented players. And the fact that USC is winning these battles right now, this recruiting battles with not just Clemson, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, some of the big boys, some of the big dogs, that's impressive based on where they are right now. And that's not to say USC is not a good spot right now, but we know that they can continue to raise things up. And if they do, it's only going to help things moving forward. Yeah, Michael, put the shades back on again. But uh, no, Cam Pringle is such a big recruit. Like literally, he's big, big, big boy, Um, especially for the 2024 class to have him commit as early as he did. I think it's huge on, you know, our guy Dante Reno in the hole, just doing his thing recruiting. Well, Dante got his first bodyguard in Cam Pringle, and what a big one it is. You know, Cam Pringle's significance is is, is big on a lot of levels, Mike, because you're trying to rebuild that veteran offensive line that left last season. Um, you know, a lot of holes left with Joe Von Gwynn, Eric Douglas, to name a few guys that are just leaving. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard to replace that offensive line, but, you know, to get big offensive line recruits, you got Tree Balbalane coming in. Um, you have Cam Pringle. Babalade. Babalade, I'm sorry, Tree. Uh, but yeah, so you, you're getting a lot of big fellows coming in. Uh, and shout out Greg Adkins, man. From him to, you know, switch roles to off, off the field role, 
an off the field role and, and focus more on recruiting is huge. And I, I, we talk about, we've talked about how good of a person Greg Adkins is and, and going uh, talking, I mean, touching on Jody Wright a little bit, like we talk about like how he's a guy that you want to grab a beer with Greg Adkins is mo- all that and more, you know, I think he played a big part in Cam Pringle's recruitment and, you know, Lonnie Teasley as well. Those guys were just, you know, on Cam Pringle, like glue, like it, they were really trying to get him here and they did a great job of it. And another thing I'll note with Cam Pringle is like, he put South Carolina on the map for, for the 2024 class like that. I've seen from many multiple or many um, national outlets drawing eyes to the South Carolina 2024 class already. It's like, what a big land for South Carolina. They're starting big in the 2024 class. Obviously, Dante was a big piece for star quarterback himself. But to get a guy like Cam Pringle, it makes noise. And a lot of people are watching now to see what else you can do in the 2024 class. When you landed just a number one offensive tackle in the country, according to On3, it, everybody's looking at you. And, and to keep a guy like Cam Pringle in state as well, Mike, it's another thing worth mentioning. Beamer always – he's talked about it over and over and over and over again. To keep a guy like that in state is huge for the program because a lot of other guys will follow and guys in the 25, 26 in the future will follow and realize that. And it helps too, because, you know, if you can win the recruiting battle in the state, you're going to beat the team from upstate, you know, year after year. So, you know, if they, if you're, you know, the primary institution in the state, it, it only speaks numbers and it, it keeps building. Cam Pringle just keeps, you know, it, it helps because he's just, it, it builds on top of itself and, and the momentum continues to roll for this 2024 class, Mike. So looking right here, if you guys aren't subscribers to on three, highly recommend checking it out. Only twenty nine ninety nine if you sign up today until August 31st. But this is a look at the 2024 class. Still very early, still very early. You look at that number right there, 100% for the blue chip. Absolutely incredible. Three, four stars. Three, four stars. And, again, I've said this before in the past, and I think someone mentioned it about Connor Shaw. There's going to be guys that are three stars or, you know, maybe they don't get the recognition from a star standpoint that are very good, that are very good. But there's still something to be said about being able to bring in guys that are four stars and, you know, even if you can bring in a five-star, of course, there's something to be said about it. Um, I mean, if it wasn't the case, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, I mean, the teams that compete year in and year out for national championships um, or at least make it to the college football playoff or winning the conference, whatever the case may be, Michigan, there's a reason why, because they're recruiting some of the best players in the country. And that's what South Carolina is trying to do right now. So it's just been it's been impressive to see what USC has done to start so far. Um, And I think the neat thing about this, when you look at it, right, you have a South Carolina kid, you have a Georgia kid. Of course, we know Dante Reno's up in the Massachusetts area. Um, I bring this up because they're, they're doing it kind of all over right now. It's real early, but they've been able to keep that fence up. And we'll take a look right here. Then we're going to do a quick ad read. Um, and pick things up on the other side. But this is where South Carolina currently ranks for the class of 2023. So they rank 17th right now. You see that blue chip indicator right there, 52%. You have to go back to 2014. You have to go back to 2014 when Steve Spurrier was still here. 
to find the last time South Carolina recruited over that 50% mark for blue chip players. Okay. Um, And as we mentioned before, I mean, what South Carolina has done on the offensive line and even defensive line, right? Um, Grayson, we know he plays linebacker, uh, but they have been doing such a great job of being able to recruit big guys. And I think I saw it in the comments section. It's like, this is starting to look like, this is starting to look like a SEC offensive line and SEC defensive line, you know, like they're starting to do things that you need to do in order to compete in this conference. Intern Joe, take us to the ad reads and then we will pick things up because we got a couple more players we got to get to tonight. Oh yeah, absolutely, Mike. So our first sponsor tonight is Taxiety. Taxiety is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process clear up any confusion and guarantee you'll get the best possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty tax fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you might, if you think you might be owing uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you locally owned and operated staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood open nine to nine on weekdays and nine to five on Saturdays. Multiple service options start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. You can call them at 803-462-5576. Their number is 803-462-5576. Then our next sponsor from for this show is our guy, Clint Hammond. With the Movement Mortgage Network, shout out our guy Clint. He's helped our co-hosts on our post-game show, Perry Orth, with his mortgage. When you grow up and need to file a mortgage, I'm not looking forward to it. I will be giving Clint Hammond a call. So as always, give our guy Clint a call for all of your mortgage help needs. All right, so a couple questions I want to hit on, intern Joe. Yeah. Before we start to... um dig into some of the other players that South Carolina have been able to pick up. And then we'll start looking ahead to next week with, with, um, with yeah. signing day and big red. I love you, brother. I love you. All right. Um, Cause all four, all five of these questions are from big red. We love big red. So let's go back to one of the questions earlier from big red, you know, with the commitment, with the commitment of Michael Smith, the newest tight end does Harbor still have a spot on the roster. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, of course, Smith is part of the class of 2024, and I know that you're not asking maybe directly this question, but I'll kind of look at it a different way too. When you look ahead to say, I don't know, a year from now, right? Let's say Harbor commits to South Carolina next week, and now you're getting ready for the 2024 season. If you all want to feel old, right? We're getting ready for the 2024 season. And Smith honors his commitment, signs with USC. You look at the talent that South Carolina is going to have at that tight end position. Look, if you're Harbor, you want to play with the best, right? You look at Alabama, you look at Georgia, look at some of these schools that just bring in talent after talent after it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it goes back to something I just mentioned about five, 10 minutes ago, which is Beamer has said in the past, if you're afraid of competition, don't come here. Don't come here. The teams that are good, the teams that play at that next level, that level that we're talking about with South Carolina, you have talent, 
that pushes players in front of them. You can't be afraid of it. And if you're going to be afraid of it, then there's the door. Um, so I think with Harbor, number one, we know how talented he is. And I think a lot of us would assume that he's going to be a guy that comes in here and can be a, a you know, I don't want to say day one starter, but he could be very quickly to, to be a guy that, that not only sees the field quickly, but can become a starter very quickly. Um, it may take a couple of weeks. I don't know. It all depends what position he's playing. I think we're talking about the tight end position right now, of course, right? But I wouldn't rule out edge quite yet. You know, I, I know that there's been, we saw it with ESPN, his, his numbers are starting to drop, drop down a little bit. They have him rated as a four, um, but all the other recruiting databases have him as a five. So what's that tell you? Um, I think some people are, you know, have him with more upside as a DN, but at the same time too, I wouldn't really be concerned about that. I'd be concerned about once he arrives at a school. And in this case, you hope it's South Carolina. Um, and he's able to make a quick impact right away at whatever position. But I think that, you know, it's, it's leaning towards tight end right now. And you see the speed, unbelievable stuff he was able to oh. do over, over the weekend. And say the track stuff. Oh yep. my goodness. Our good friend, Red, big red against Carolina field fans feel optimistic based on who we have now, or should we wait until the second signing day? Again, Big Red, I feel like based on where South Carolina is, and I know it's kind of hypocritical when I say, well, you know, don't get so caught up with some of these recruiting numbers. It is still important, okay? It's still important because, like we said before, there's a reason why these guys are four stars. There's a reason why some of these guys are five stars. You want the best of the best. And obviously it comes down to production. Um, You can have a five star, and they might come in here, and they might not develop right away, okay? You know, it happens. We've seen it in recent years. I don't need to tell you guys that. So I think more than anything, once you get a four-star, five-star, even some of these three-stars that we've seen, some of the local guys, as I mentioned, even worries, DQ Smith, it's the coach's responsibility to get the most out of them, all right? Obviously, coaches can only do so much. A player has to definitely want it, um, but it's the coach's responsibility to get the most out of them. And I think with South Carolina, based on what we're seeing right now, that they're over that 50% mark when you talk about blue chip for the class of 2023, something you haven't seen since 2014, I think, number one, that stands out to you. But number two, the fact that Nick Harbor, Nicholas Harbor, is still there in a possibility, and not just a possibility, a strong possibility. He's a guy right now that, and I'll pull it up right now, he's a guy that the Gamecocks have an opportunity to land, you know? Uh, we're not just saying that number, you know, we're not just saying that, oh yeah, they have a chance. No, no. Like they legitimately have an opportunity to land this guy. So again, if you go to on three, you go to the recruiting database, right? Go to States, DC, Nicholas Harbor. Right now, this is where the crystal balls are. Okay. And I'll open it up to see everything. Okay. This is the crystal balls right now for Nicholas Harbor right now. Right now on three is giving USC the slight edge over Michigan. Now, as I've reported over the last couple of weeks, I know my colleagues have talked about it over at Gamecock Central. This has not been an easy process by any means for Harbor, and we'll have to wait and see how things play out. But from everything that I've been told, and I think a lot of people could make these assumptions over the last couple of weeks, you don't need to listen to me or an insider. I think, you know, if you have common sense and you follow college football, you'd realize it. What's going on over at Michigan the last couple of weeks? It's hard not to look at it and say, hmm. And I can tell you 
from talking to people close to the situation, that's something that Harbor has been paying very, very close attention to. You know, never mind the the possibilities of an NCAA investigation and all that. We're talking too about Jim Harbaugh, right? So I, I bring that stuff up because, well, Harbaugh, Harbaugh said right now, like, oh, yeah, I'm coming back to Michigan. That means absolutely crap. That means crap. I'm going to tell you right now, if God forbid, if God forbid Michigan were to get hit with something, a level one violation, which I'm not saying that's going to happen. I know there were reports this past week that said, you know, because of Harbaugh's communication with the NCAA, could there be a possible level one offense, depending on how things play out, if they want to look at things a little bit more, all right? If something like that were to happen, you'd be absolutely nuts if you don't believe Harbaugh would bounce. You'd be absolutely nuts. We've seen it so many freaking times over the years, all right? The one that obviously stands out the most, you think of Pete Carroll, right? So I, I bring that up because and we hear it all the time. I think Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, might be the exception of the rule right now. But don't commit to the school. I mean, don't commit to the coach. Commit to the school. Well, look, that sounds great, but – a lot of these players, they build relationships with coaches. They build relationship with coaches. And a coach might want to use you a certain way compared to another coach. I mean, think about it in the corporate world, right? You might have um, a general manager. I mean, I, I work in TV, so I think a news director is general manager. But you might have a boss that wants you to do a certain thing. All right, he leaves after, you know, he leaves at some point. Now you have a new boss that comes in there. The way they look at you, they might want to utilize you in a different way. So it's not always the same. It's not as easy for a player to say, hey, man, okay, that coach is leaving. Even though I'm committed to the university, it's just they might not want to use you the same exact way. So I think it's interesting, in turn, Joe, when we look at some of these numbers. Um, I think ultimately you look at those top four. I think we all assume it's it's going to be one of those four, right? South Carolina, Michigan, Maryland, Oregon. Um, I, I still think Oregon is in the mix. I think you can't, you can't, um, overlook them. I know you look at that number right there. It's like, all right, but the fact that we know track's going to play a role in his decision and how good Oregon is for track. And of course, I mean, the fact that they're sponsored by Nike, I, I think you'd be crazy. I think you'd be crazy to overlook the ducks. Yeah, Mike, I think, I just kind of think it's funny that, you know, the Gamecocks are fighting against Under Armour and Nike in, in Maryland and Oregon for Nicholas Harbor. And, I mean, Mike, too, that's a good point about the track because Gamecock fans have seen this weekend what a phenomenal track athlete Nicholas is. And, you know, the kid has wheels, and I think, it you know, obviously it'll translate over to the football field, his speed, size, quickness. That's why he's a five-star recruit. And, you know – I think, you know, it, his decision is coming up, and I think South Carolina's got the lean. I think, you know, Mike, all your points about Michigan, we're, we're hitting the nail on the head. You know, anybody, let alone, you know, all the recruits are noticing that and what, what Jim Harbaugh has done, and, you know, certainly doesn't help that every time at the end of every season it's rumored that it will go to the NFL and Jim plays this game at the end of every year. It's like, what is he going to do? Well, you know, wouldn't you like some stability in, in your coach? coming forward and you're right, you, you uh, commit to the coach nowadays just because of, you know, the, the nature of the business. And we see that too, when guys transfer in, transfer out, they go play for their, one of their old coaches or, or coaches that have recruited 
them in the past. So, I mean, I think signing day is coming up, Mike. It's it's a big, big, big one if they can get Nicholas Harbor. And so far, so good, I think, with the lead. Um, another interesting point um, I thought with Nicholas was um, the whole CU Boulder thing that it was rumored that, you know, he would be visiting. And then, you know, he put the thing on his Instagram story that he was in Boulder, Colorado, but um, his yeah. dad or uncle mentioned that he wasn't. So I think, you know, that was kind of crazy. And I think that was, you know, to stir the pot a little bit, you know, we see recruits doing that all the time and, 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 and Harbor knows that he knows he has the college football world, or at least, you know, the worlds of, of these top five yeah. fan bases watching what he's doing. And, you know, obviously the hotbed of, of what, Dion is building out in Colorado. It's very interesting. So for him to tease that a little bit, it, it was kind of funny and him stirring the pot a little bit. And, and certainly, you know, it, it made the rounds national news wise, um, whether or not he was at Colorado and whatnot. But I mean, Mike, we're getting down to it. It would be a big, big, big land for Beamers. First five-star, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. First five-star is a coach at South Carolina. And I mean, again, Mike, we talk about the momentum, how it's infectious at this program that would just boom the momentum onto the next level, next atmosphere. It's crazy what or how much momentum this would do, not only for, you know, the 2024 class, but, you know, if Harbor stays and develops, you know, what it can do for 25, 26, and years after. A uh, couple things, because I, I see a couple of questions. I want to make sure that we get them. Um, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, I apologize. Uh, the new kicker that South Carolina was able to sign today, Peyton Argent. Um, hope I'm pr- pronouncing that right. I'll make sure I say that correctly if I didn't uh, in the next couple weeks. Um, Cole's kicking, which of course a lot of some of the, the most elite kickers that we've seen come out of college football, um, they go to this kicking camp, whether it be place kicking, whether it be punting, um, they rank him as a five-star place kicker. Uh, four and a half star punter and the number 17th rank kicker in the country. He's considered the number 61 punter by Coles. Um, I'll say this. It's one of those positions. I'd say any special team position, really punter, kicker, um, long snapper, which sometimes gets overlooked. It's one of those things that it's difficult. I feel like from a recruiting standpoint, you have to have, when you're going out there and, I, and I've had these conversations, I mean, I've had college teammates that are special teams coordinators um, at different schools, you know, ones at Villanova right now. I've had conversations with Lembo about it. It's difficult to look at some of these positions because it's not just based on statistics, right? You look at some of these camps sometimes and what they do and how they perform under pressure. And a lot of these camps, I mean, the spotlight's on you. You know, sometimes you're doing kicking competitions and you're going back and forth, left hash, right hash, you know, going back five yards, 10 yards, and that pressure is there. And, you know, for some of these kids, that's a good way to be able to evaluate their talent. Um, South Carolina has been very fortunate with special teams over the last, I mean, I've been covering the Gamecocks since 2016, you know, Joseph Charlton, what we've seen with him from punting, um, Elliot Fry, of course, to Parker White, to what we're seeing right now, knock on wood, with uh, Kay Kroger, who's been off to a tremendous start, knock on wood, I say. Um, and then Mitch Jeter, who had a very good first year as the starting place kicker. Um, they, they've been very fortunate, very fortunate. And the long snappers as well, Hunter Rogers. I mean, you look at some of the guys that they've been able to have. So I bring that up because 
it's a position that gets taken for granted. I mean, look at Alabama. Look at Alabama for the last decade or so. How many times, how many times have you watched an Alabama football game and it's come down to a kick and they've lost the game because of special teams, you know? So we could sit here and keep saying, oh, Beamer ball or Lumbo ball. They need to be able to get the guys and they're doing a good job with that. Um, so this is a good pickup. Um, Big Red ask again, are we recruiting more East Coast? I think it comes down to more than anything, just the talent that's there. You know, you mentioned the West Coast players, more West Coast than East Coast. Um, I would say there is probably more East Coast guys that South Carolina is recruiting. East Coast, if you divide the country down the middle, okay? And I know it's, you know, you got the Midwest and you got, you know, but, okay, go from the middle of the state and you break it up east-west, okay, left-right, whatever you want to call it, because I know there's going to be some wise guys out there that say, well, that's not actually east, that's not actually west, all right, left-right, I'm going to call it east-west. I'd say there's more players that that South Carolina has been going after that are on the east coast and have been landing um, towards that east side, I'm not even going to say east coast, east side compared to the west side. Um, I feel like you will see – over time, South Carolina is able to have success to go after some of those guys that are more further out west. The reality is, the reality is South Carolina is not a national brand right now. They're just not, okay? Mm -hmm. um, they're not a national brand. You know, Clemson, and again, I bring this up not to piss people off, but it's just to use an example, and it's one that's right up the road from you, all right? It's to show that you can do this. Clemson has been able to get some of those national guys, right? You think about over the last five years or so, eight years from a recruiting standpoint, and they've been able to build themselves up to a national brand. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to be able to get to a level where people are saying, I want to go to South Carolina. We are seeing that with what Beamer has been able to do these last two recruiting classes and obviously going into 2024 as well, but it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time, but I think that's what you're noticing right now more than anything. Um, uh, we will get into the Jeff Coat situation a little bit. I feel like at this point, you know, I really don't want to spend a lot of time on it because at the end of the day, there's not much more that you can really say about it, especially when there's legal things in the past. And, you know, there's certain things that you can get from when you talk to sources. I know Chris did a tremendous job, Chris Clark, about trying to explain it. There's certain things that you can talk about and there's certain things that you, you're not able to when there comes to legal stuff in the past. Um, and even though, you know, it's, it's just, it becomes dicey because you're only as reporters, we're only as good as our sources. Mm -hmm. So based on what you're getting, it's not like you can't report this. Don't say this. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that certain people can't even say stuff and that makes it challenging. And when there's no, you know, police record of it, of, of things in the past, it's more difficult. Cause it's like, what can you say? You know, so it just, it becomes a popsicle headache. I know that's not the answer that everyone's looking for. I wish I could give you more, um, but that's probably most that I could talk about it. So, I mean, you know, there you go. I said I was going to wait a little bit, kind of talked about it right there. Bottom line is this. I know it's frustrating. I understand the frustration of seeing a guy that was ready to go to play at USC, and now he's playing at another school in the SEC. If this was a kid that was already playing at South Carolina and he had to leave for whatever reason, I'd be more frustrated by that. OK, he wasn't here to begin with. OK, yeah, you know, I know there's going to be wise guys that say, well, he basically signed. He was ready to enroll. I get that. But he wasn't on the team last year. OK, it's over with. Move on from it. He's not here. You want to be upset. You want to go write an angry letter. Go write an angry letter. OK, he's not here. 
Um, it's just that's just the way it is right now. Um, Brandon asked Mikey, "Would you think the receiver from Northwestern, Elijah Codwell, will sign with South Carolina next week?" Um, our colleague, our co- our colleague uh, Wes Mitchell, actually talked about this the other day. Um, he was told that he took an official visit this weekend, and that South Carolina is in a very very good position to be able to land him. Um, again, when you're talking about you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids, obviously nothing is certain until it's a done deal. Um, but it's trending that way. And, uh, South Carolina is in a good position right now. In turn, Joe, I'll ask you your opinion about this one. Uh, how do we feel about the running back group heading into next year? Because of Mark, course I love you're, it. you're losing Marshawn Lloyd right now, which, you know, of course, when he was healthy, he was a game changer. Yeah. Mike, I like it. I really do. I think with Juju McDowell, um, obviously he's proven that, you know, he can get up and down, had a pretty good bowl game. And we've seen, you know, bright spots from him in general. Um, I think it looks pretty good. Obviously you add Mario Anderson for depth. I believe that's a kid's name from Newberry. Um, add him for depth. So I think it, it, it looks pretty good as, as it is. You're adding a couple, um, couple recruits in there as well that can play. Um, in the 2023 class, but I like the depth. And I think too, next year, I think what we'll see with Dowell is more of, you know, designing the offense around the weapons that we have, right. Or that South Carolina has. So we will see Juju McDowell out in passing patterns more. We will see him get to the outside more versus, you know, a power back, um, which we, they do have in Mario Anderson um, as one, one of those guys, as if like a Marshawn Lloyd type of player, you know, bigger, stronger, more of the power back. And I think we will see the rotation like we did with CBS and, and Marshawn. But um, Juju's the primary back going forward. You're going to want to see him for big plays going to the outside. And then obviously you have guys like Mario Anderson, you know, for the power, short short line stuff. Um, but, I, I mean, I like it. I think it's good, um, as good as it's going to get right now. Um, and obviously you have all the weapons you need at quarterback and at wide receiver. So. I want to get to this question. If you submit a question to us and you're paying us, we're going to try to pop it up as quickly as possible. Um, Philly fan, we appreciate you. Wish I had like a little ka-ching, like money sound thing that we can do when people do that. Uh, but Philly fan says, from watching Carolina beat Al- uh, Auburn in 2021 to watching us beat Clemson at Clemson in 2022, there's some incredible growth. I truly believe we are on our way to an SEC championship. You guys agree. I think the challenging part, and I think we can all agree with this, is you have to obviously take care of what's on your plate first, right? You have to be able to build something that can compete for an SEC East title, and then you go from there. And I know in the next couple of years, things are going to get dicey because the format's going to change. You get Texas coming in, which, oh, by the way, as we mentioned, South Carolina out recruiting Texas recently with one of the recruits. It's always a good thing, especially when you have new teams coming in, Texas and Oklahoma. Um, but that aside, that popsicle headache aside, the fact that you're doing things that you need to to be able to improve, right? It's kind of like uh, the best way to describe it is you have to do self-reflection, right? You know, I think, you know, I think of a, a, a line from uh, Notorious, if anyone remembers that documentary with Biggie Smalls, you know, can't change the world unless we change ourselves, Biggie Smalls, right? I remember that quote. So I think about that because you have to be able to worry about yourself first. You have to change yourself. You have to be able to grow within. Because if you can't do that, then you're not going to be able to beat 
Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, whoever the heck it is, okay? The growth, and you've mentioned it, Philly fan, the growth we've seen over the last couple of years. One thing that I've mentioned a lot within the last, I'd say, you know, the last couple months, and I think back to the Texas A&M game in particular, South Carolina is learning how to win, right? Even think of that Clemson game. How many times in the past, and I'm sure there were fans during that Texas A&M game, when the game started to get away from USC a little bit, right? They're up two or three scores early on in the game, and then A&M scores two straight touchdowns, right? It's like, here we go again, right? Admit it. You may have been in that, that, that group that said, all right, here we go again, all right? Fans that do that, you're not alone. That's a feeling that players feel too. It's a feeling that you can't teach. You have to go out there and you have to experience it. And over time, right, and again, I mean, because I, I bring this up because it feels like there's so many tailgates that I could think about that I've hopped around over the last couple of years um, at, at USC, and there was a Clemson game going on, and Clemson was down by God knows how much, and then they start coming back, and the old saying would be like, oh, here we go again, you know the horseshoe up their ass. They're going to come back. Here we go again. It's the same feeling. It's the same feeling. So being able to be in situations like that for USC, being able to find ways to win like they did against A&M, like they did even against Kentucky after having a slow start offensively in the first half, being able to do things like that, that contributed. That contributed to being able to do what they did against Clemson. They don't win that game. They don't win that game unless they have that experience of being in some of those close games earlier in the year and even going back to the year prior and being able to say, hey, we've been in these situations before. All right. Take a deep breath. Let's slow down. We're still in control. All right. Let's just go out there and play. And that's what they did against Clemson. So um, to answer your question, Philly fan, I, I think they're doing all that stuff. And I think the other part of it is, look, Georgia is on another level right now. Okay, they're on another level, but that's not to say that you can't catch up with them. It's just going to take a lot of work, but it starts with within being able to put yourself in a position like that to be able to compete. I mean, obviously, Tennessee got their teeth kicked in by USC this year, but from a body of work standpoint, they had a good season. They had a very good season. So in order to be able to go from, you know, where Tennessee was, say, two years ago to a year ago and to right now, that's not to say that they don't have any problems they can't address or fix. Of course they do. We saw that. It was funny against South Carolina. But in order to be able to get to that, that next level, you have to go one step at a time. And I think that's what South Carolina is doing right now. So SEC championship, I mean, I think right now, realistically, I'd say that they're, they're in a position to compete for second in the SEC East next year. Um, I think it's going to be challenging going to Georgia week three at Georgia, the defending two-time national champs. And you don't know what that offensive line is going to look like. That offensive line, it's going to be unproven for the most part, right? There's going to be guys in there, but they haven't played with each other. I think it's going to be challenging. That's not to say that South Carolina can't start to close the gap against Georgia. I think we've talked about with Clemson over the years. USC needed to close the gap first before we start talking about, okay, beating Clemson. Okay, They've done that now. They did that against Kentucky this year. You have to start to close the gap. And what we've seen over the last couple of years, we saw it obviously last year with Georgia, this past season. They were on two different levels. But I don't think, though, in turn, Joe, that game is indicative of who South Carolina became as the season went on. 
But at the same time, too, Georgia was playing on a totally different level at the end of the year as well. Um, if those two teams were to meet towards the end of the season, I think South Carolina would have made it a closer game. Do they beat them? Probably not. But I, I think that they still have some work to do before we're talking about winning at least the SEC East. But I still I, I, I do think that they're there to be able to compete for that number two spot. And, you know, look, injuries happen, right? Things can happen. Um, crazy things can happen. But I, I just feel like you need to continue to close that gap first before you're talking about some of those other things. Yeah, Mike. I mean, Philly fan talks about it. It's it's on, it's on our way. Yeah, it's it's we are on our way. Or South Carolina is on their way, but you know it, it's going to be a long road. I think right now what we've seen from these Beamer programs or these Beamer teams so far is that it's all about momentum, Mike. I can't stop talking about it because that's what this program is all about. Is or has been all about is building momentum and and riding the wave almost. And, and sure enough, it finds a way to carry itself into the next year and it builds and builds and builds and builds. Um, and so I do agree. Like eventually there is an SEC championship probably in there somewhere, but you know, they got to work on the small things. Like, right. Mike, like you said, close the gap there. They got to start beating, you know, Missouri. I saw the comment um, from Brendan or from Brandon, sorry, um, beating Missouri is, is, is one step. And, you know, just got to keep riding the momentum and building on top of it. And, and that's how Beamer's time is going to be here, you know, taking one big news thing and, and, and one big win and stacking it on top of each other. And, yes, it, there might be some games that, you know, you should win and, and you'll lose. But, I mean, I think eventually it's it's a long road, but eventually you would you would hope and you would think the way things are going right now in the – Early stages, yeah, a trip to the SEC championship game is on the rise somewhere in there. KC, congratulations. Another little Gamecock yeah, is on was. the way, expected September 2nd. Hopefully it'll be the uh, the good luck charm when they arrive here right before the start of the football season. So Joseph's congratulations. Good name, by the way. To you and your, and your wife. Ryan Clark, how do we feel about the running back group? We got into that. I did want to add this, though, about the running back room because Philly fan came in and I wanted to make sure Philly fan got his question answered ASAP because he gave us some money to, to do that. Um, and I know you mentioned him, Joe, but I want to just bring him up again. Don't sleep on Mario Anderson. Don't sleep on Mario Anderson. I understand the skill position, guys. It's it's a little – it can be challenging at time in terms of how quickly they can adjust and adapt. Um, but I feel like if he's able to get things going and it might not be necessarily this year, it might take halfway through the year. He's still got two years of eligibility. If he's able to get going at some point, when you talk about depth at that position, talk about depth, they can be scary. Good. They can be scary. Good. Um, and we've seen from the division two, we've seen guys from division two come to South Carolina and do good things. I know Jalen Brooks, career at South Carolina was kind of a roller coaster, but this season when he was available to play, I thought he did a lot of good things. I thought he did a lot of good things. Now, is that saying like all conference, you know, type player? No, I'm not saying that, but they can be a very good player. They can be a productive player. And I think when we talk about some of these guys that come in here, that's what you're looking for. Not every guy is going to be a juice Wells, right? We talked about Carlin's Patel, and we'll continue to talk about Carlin's Patel. He comes in from a Division II school, starts half the year, the back half of the year at nickel. And he was with the Steelers, right? So I, I say that because you can still be productive on this team without having to be an all-conference guy. I think a lot of us agree with that. I think a lot of us understand that. But 
I think, you know, more than anything, it's how quickly that offensive line is going to adapt. How quickly are they going to be able to build a rapport? How quickly are they going to be on the same page? Because I don't care. Kind of like what we talk about with the guys in the secondary. This is something I talk about a lot. I don't care who you have in the secondary. You can have DJ Swearinger back there. You can have JC Horn. Um, you can go other schools. You can go Ed Reed. You can go Dick Night Train Lane for your throwback guys. I mean, you could go really old school. Sean Taylor. I don't care who you have back in the secondary. If you don't have a good pass rush, you're not going to be able to do good things in the secondary. You're just not. I don't care who you have back there because at some point, especially as we all know, and it's not the NFL, you at least touch guys uh, down the field after five yards in college. But like my coach would always tell me in college as a defensive back, uh, you're going backwards, right? They're going forward. And the other thing that they have to their uh, advantage is they know where the ball's going before the snap. You don't. So at some point, you know, things are going to, you have to have guys that can put pressure on a quarterback. Um, so it's the same thing about running back. You can have, you know, look, you, you think of the year with Kevin Harris, the year that he rushed for over a thousand yards, that offensive line, there were some good things that they were able to do. I do think though, and it's something that I, I told you, I think maybe last week and I'm continuing to look into it and hopefully I'll have an answer for you guys soon. The offense that you can expect from USC next year. From a blocking standpoint, will it be zone blocking? Will it be man blocking? And the reason I bring that up is because USC, under Marcus Satterfield, they went to zone blocking. And I know there's going to be probably some people out there that say, well, they should know how to do both. They're playing SEC football. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. Maybe it was the way it was taught here. I don't know. I don't know. All I know that, all I know is that especially in Satterfield's first season. We saw it a lot in turn, Joe. There was a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion up front to the point where, I mean, they, from talking to people that were very close to the situation, there were offensive linemen that were literally going back to their dorm room saying, I don't know what the hell we're doing. You know what I mean? Yep. Like early on in that first season. Adjusting. So I bring that up because that's not to say if USC decides to stay with zone blocking that this unit, as they try to figure out who will be the starting five, that's not to say that they can't figure it out. But to me, I think the easiest thing to do, especially if you don't have a group that has played together, right? You know, uh, Nick Gargiulo. I mean, he's a guy that's coming in from Yale who – could be in line to be the next Eric Douglas. He could be the next starting center, right? You're going to have some pieces of guys that have not worked with each other. No. One of the easiest things that you can do sometimes from a blocking standpoint is just man blocking. So I mentioned some of those things because if you're able to figure out, they need to figure out the offensive line. They no. need to figure out the offensive line because we can sit here and say, oh, Rattler's back. That's great. Oh, Juice Wells back. Wow, look at the tight end room. Wow, look at this guy here. Before even talking about the running back room, if they can't figure out what the hell's going on on the offensive line, you're not going to be able to do anything on offense. We saw that early on in the year this year. Yeah. And it got better as the season went on. There were some hiccups, of course. The offensive line, they need to figure out things early. And I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked if we find out, which I'm going to hopefully find out for you guys soon, that they're going to go to a man blocking scheme this year and get away from zone blocking, which they did over the last two seasons. Yeah, Mike, one, one name I did just want to – 
bring up in the running back conversation that I forgot to bring up earlier is Lavoisier Carroll. Um, that guy is a dog from everything that I've heard. Um, and, you know, he will be, you know, we talked about it, right. Or I brought yeah. it up earlier is like, you know, how they want to diversify with the backs. You have Juju, the smaller guy who will, you know, go to the outside, be in the passing formats and stuff like that. I think Lavoisier Carroll will be a little bit of both. He's in between body sizes between Mario Anderson and Juju. And so I think Lavoisier will kind of be your do it all back. And I think if he has a really good camp, really good summer and fall camp, I think we could see a lot of Lavoisier Carroll. And I think that kid, Lavoisier has a lot of potential. And especially now that he's had the year to adjust, he was playing safety at Georgia. Um, he's had the year to adjust back to running back. So he, he should be all good. And especially with this new Mike, you said it starts with the offensive line, but I think Lavoisier has a lot of potential. It's another one of those guys that has a big, 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 big ceiling and that we could see him produce a lot for the Gamecocks in 2023, just kind of depending on how his camp goes and how he fits in with, with Juju and Mario. But I mean, be on the lookout for Lavoisier because I mean, that kid can play from everything that I'm hearing inside. And I also see, and it's a very good point to bring up. I think the way that I'm talking right now, um, Kevin brings up, Dontavious Braswell. I think I'm talking more so about guys who I can see making an impact this season. And that's not to say Braswell is not talented, but I, I just don't, I don't expect, I don't expect him to come in and be a guy that is a starter day one. Um, I don't think anyone's saying that. I mean, he could be a Juju situation, right? I mean, look at what Juju was able to do. He was able to kind of carve out a niche for himself his freshman season. So, you know, I'm not ruling that out, uh, especially with a guy like Braswell who just has so much speed. Um, you know, he's a guy that – and these numbers probably are only going to go up because um, these are the numbers that he had, I believe, his junior season. But he was the Georgia 2A state champion so last year in the 100 and the 200. We're in a 10.72 in the 100 and then a, a 21.99. 9-9. In the 200, um, he's got speed. He's got speed, 5'11", 200 pounds. He reminds me in terms of his – the size because he's 200. He's going to put some more weight on. He's going to be probably around 225, you know, 220, 225. He's going to get some muscle. Um, he's going to remind me, I feel like, as his college career plays out, and he'll have a little bit more speed to him is kind of like a Kevin Harris, a Kevin Harris with speed. I, I feel like this is a guy that can become a bruiser, um, but he's got that speed too. He's got that speed, um, which is going to make him very dangerous in the backfield. And, you know, he also, he also did a nice little job of uh, catching some passes out of the second, uh, out of the backfield as well. And, um, you know, he's a guy that can be, you can find the field on third down. I mean, that's kind of what Juju did, you know, and the tough part is you already have a Juju there. I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to be a Juju or, you know, Juju's himself, right? Juju's Juju. Um, but Braswell's another guy to keep an eye on. No question about it. Um, Michael Lynn, how would he be the number one athlete, but drop to a four star? I know, I know this is Nicholas Harbor that we're talking about. Um, again, I think a lot of that has to do with ESPN looking at him as a tight end because that's kind of been the the word that he wants to play some tight end. South Carolina, 
based on the conversations we've had, we haven't heard anything definitive like, oh, yeah, like, you know, he's definitely playing tight end. Um, but last that I was told, at least, was that, you know, there's a possibility that he could play some DN still. So, you know, bottom line is this. He's a talented guy. He's the best in D.C. He's a freak athlete. Um, I know that there's a lot of people out there that feel like some places have a agenda against the Gamecocks. It's like, oh, he's going to look at the Gamecocks. That's why he's dropping. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, not when you look at all the other recruiting databases. You know, on three, of course, uh, 24-7 rivals. Everyone else has him as a five-star. It's just ESPN. ESPN has him as a four-star. But there's been some fluky things there, too. I don't remember if it was um, Sellers that they had his ranking just a little bit different compared to some other players. So I bring that up. Um, I wouldn't lose sleep on it. Bottom line is he is one of the best. He's one of the best. He's one of the best um, out there. Um, a couple questions I want to go through quickly, and then we'll kind of wrap things up uh, in a little bit. Intern Joe's going to go home and uh, study. You know, he's a big growing college boy. Yeah, um, do listen, have some classwork to get to. I don't, even know, I don't even know what Tuesday nights are. I mean, I didn't go to USC. When I first – I'll tell you what I did when I first got to South Carolina back in 2016 because Tuesday nights were my Friday nights. We'd get off. We would tape our 30-minute sports shows that we did at Watch Fox. Um, and um, so we'd get off a fairly early hour because Corey Miller was anchoring the, the late shows. You might swing by, bar none, get some Smokies, some smoked wings, and then you'd head on over to State Street and they would do beer pong tournaments first place would get like a $50 tab and then second place would get 35 and we'd always come in second. These two people would always show up. I'm convinced that they were just sleeping and they'd wake up intern Joe in their pajamas and they would just kick everyone's ass. Um, and that would go until like five in the morning, 6am. I mean, that's when I first got to South Carolina. Um, I don't, I, I don't even want to know what my body would feel like if I try to do something like that these days. So Brutal. point being intern Joe, enjoy it while you can, bud. Enjoy yeah, life. I have a bunch of classwork to do tonight. I'm sure you envy that a bunch. So no, much homework to do tonight. No, I, I bet. You got to well, clip off some stuff too, but you know. We'll, we got, we're got. we juggling two jobs right now. I know, so we, baby. We got it though. We got it. Big Red. Big Red says, will the conference realignment help or hurt the Gamecocks? I think when you look at it, I think it seems like it will make things challenging just for the fact that, you know, we know how difficult it already has been for South Carolina to win the East. Tennessee's getting better, um, even though the Gamecocks get their, kicked their teeth in this year. I think we can agree, though, that they've made improvements over the last couple seasons, right? So, and and again, George is obviously playing on another level. Um, never mind the fact that you, when you look at the early predictions for like the rankings next season, the two teams that are going to be coming to the SEC, Oklahoma and Texas. A lot of them have both those teams in the top twenty-five, and then oh, by the way, you have. Alabama out there, um, Ohio, excuse me, um, Ole Miss has has been uh, in the mix the last couple of years in terms of being in the top 25. I mean, we can keep going down the list of some of these teams. It's the SEC. It's always going to be tough. Um, I will say this, though. Will the realignment help? I don't know if the realignment will necessarily help, but what I think will help South Carolina more than anything, and this is what you got to keep reminding yourself, is the change that's coming to the format for the college football playoff. I think that more than anything is more important. So again, and we've heard different things of how it's going to look, right? 
bottom line is this. I don't feel like you're going to have to be necessarily in the SEC championship to make the college football playoff. I think there's going to be years where teams, you know, could finish third or fourth in the conference, depending on how things play out. And that could be something that helps South Carolina. So I think they go hand in hand together. Are they obviously connected with each other? No, but at the same time too, it's just the timing of everything. I think it can only help USC when you talk about that, because ultimately that's the way it would be judged anyway. I mean, think about it. If there's going to be, if there's going to be a 12 team college football playoff, if you have the East and the West, does it really matter if you finish second in the East? Or if you finish third in the East, no, it's all going to be the same. When you think about it, when you're talking about picking those other teams that um, aren't in the SEC championship, and obviously you have to put yourself in a position to get there, right? You have to be able to put yourself in a position where you finish towards the top of the SEC. But on top of that, you got to take care of your out-of-conference game. Of course, that first one being the one that you think about the most is Clemson. And then on top of that, how does it look when you look at, okay, this year, of course, they're playing North Carolina. You think about some of those other teams that South Carolina will play in the future. So that's something I would keep an eye on. Um, what's our defense looking looking like next year? Well, this is the phrase that I always use in turn, Joe. There's going to be positions that there's not proven depth. Proven depth. Um, the two positions that come to mind – you think of edge and you think about the linebacker position. Okay. Those are the two positions. Um, what South Carolina has been able to do within the last year though, with Nick Eamon worry coming in. I mean, shoot, here's a guy that had an opportunity. I think it was about the second drive or maybe even the first drive when um, Roderick got hurt. He went right out there and, you know, kind of like a Wally Pip situation, right? He didn't, he didn't give it back. Um, you know, Lou Gary came in. He didn't give that position back. So um, I bring that up because him, DQ Smith, they were able to address some positions this season that will help them going into 2023. But, you know, look, they're going to have to address edge. There's no question about it. Um, losing Edmonds, that hurts. Even if Jordan Strawn is cleared by the NCAA, the challenging part about that intern, Joe, is He's coming back from a lower body injury, especially one that when you're talking about an ACL, but any type of lower body injury, sometimes you just, you're not yourself when you come back right away. Um, we've seen that in recent years, different positions, but Nick Muse, right? Um, you think of Marshawn Lloyd in recent years. So, you know, I bring that up not to be negative Nancy or to be a cloud um, in the room, a dark cloud in the room, but I want, I, <sighs> Going into last season, I had Strawn as the guy that I thought you, he was going to lead USC in sacks. And I think he was well on his way before he tore, tore his ACL against Arkansas. I'm hoping that we can still see production from him. I'm hoping he's cleared. It looks like it's heading that way. But I wouldn't hold my breath. I, I feel like you need, you need someone else to step up at edge. You, you just have to. And I hope anything that, anything that Strawn can give you, I think, is a bonus. And I think we can give you at least something. I just don't know how much I'd say like, okay, hey, Strawn's gone back, boom. I can't say that he's going to be the same type of guy that he was going into this season. I, and, and it kills me to say that because I know how excited he was. I know what he did before he transferred on in here, led this country, led the FBS in, in sacks. He's a talented player. He's the talented player. 
And I hope we're able to see a glimpse of that this season. Um, but I just I, – I can't bank on that just because, again, you come back from a lower body injury. I don't think anything is automatic. Yeah, Mike. I mean, one guy that we, we brought him up already, but I think it's I think it's deserved. I think the guy that's going to be leading this defense into the new year is the true or well sophomore now, Nicky Minwari. He's the most tested, I guess, t- more or he's shown the most out of anybody coming into the season. Um, you know, on defense, obviously Terrell Dawkins will be back, um, full health um, at that edge position, so that'll be interesting. I think. Jordan Strong, you're right. I think you're hitting the nail on the head there, not coming back as uh, as full full strength as, as he is. But um, another position to watch is the cornerback position. I think Marcellus Dial will be the number one, and then you have O'Donnell Fortune. We've seen what O'Donnell Fortune can do in the yep. Vanderbilt game and in the Notre Dame game. Like, oh, my goodness. Pick six machine. So I think, you know, the future is bright, especially at cornerback, and then at safety you're set with Eamon Worry. Another position I'm looking at, Mike, is the linebacker position. You got Mo Kaba coming back. You have depth with Stone Blanton. And then obviously you have Pup Howard, our guy, friend of the program. Pup Howard getting in in January. He's already getting his reps. He's already working out with the team. I think that's only helping him um, in a position that's really, really uh, not – or a position that's not as deep. Uh, You know, having Pup in there, he could be a rotational guy. Or, you know, if he continues – to have good camps and stuff, he could even, I mean, start. I mean, Mike, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, you have Debo Williams coming back, another bright spot in the defense last year, played mostly special teams until he got his chance. Um, later on in the season, Debo Williams is very talented yeah. coming off the edge there. So I think, you know, that'll be another name to watch. But And also, too, Mo Caba, um, like I said, he he's, he's another guy that got hurt and, you know, might not come back the same, but – Okaba's football smarts is what really impresses me. And that's one thing you want from a guy in the middle, right, Mike? Like mm-hmm. you want the you want the Mike linebacker to understand, you know, every everybody's roles, what everyone's doing, and have him be the most football smart guy on the field. And Mokaba is that. So I think, you know, a lot of potential for him in that slot. And then again, like, you know, we have guys like Blanton and Pop coming up um through the ranks to help out with that depth at linebacker. Yeah. Oh, and- D tackle too. too. You got Tonka Hemingway and Boogie. Yep. Yep. And look, there's there's a lot of guys on this roster, um, and I'm seeing some of the names. I try to pull them up because I think there's some good names that people mentioned in there. There, Spalding's. It's like there's certain things that you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do when you look at corner, right? And then you work your way into nickel. There's going to be things where you got to ask yourself what puts us in the best situation to succeed. We know, we saw with Cam Smith this year. Cam can play inside. Cam can play outside. For a while, Cam was playing inside, and the main reason why is because they they you know they believe that that gave them the best opportunity to win is putting him inside. And that corner, I mean, excuse me, that nickel position has really evolved over the years. You really, it's you talk about boundary and field corner, boundary corner. Typically, you're thinking of speed. Ball's going to be coming out quicker. You're going to have to be able to react. The angles are going to be different. When you're playing field corner, you're thinking more of a guy that can tackle an open space. That nickel spot, that's tricky. That's tricky because sometimes you can still be on that boundary side. Now the ball's coming out even quicker. Right Now you're out of the field. It's just different. So I, I bring that up. And, Brandon, I know you mentioned you know, he started at uh, nickel in 2021. He started at nickel to start the season, and then we had um, – 
Carlins Patel did a phenomenal job of coming in there and uh, and starting the rest of the game at, at nickel. I think Patel started the last six, if not the last seven games at nickel. Um, but to go back to your point, Brandon, he has experience. He has experience of playing nickel. Um, I think what it comes down to is do they want him to play? Because I can tell you this, a lot of guys want to play that true corner spot. They want to play on the outside. They want to play on the outside. Um, and the main reason why is because when you're talking about from a draft standpoint, when you're talking about from a draft standpoint, the money's on the outside. Now, when you're talking about being able to improve your improve your stock, where not a shot at Spalding, but if he wants to improve his stock, yeah, I think being able to have that on your resume that you can play nickel as well, it's only going to help you. Um Certainly deal with Patel. We mentioned Patel before. I mean, I don't think he's with the Steelers if he doesn't have that experience. Before he came to South Carolina, he had never played nickel before. Never played nickel at his previous college at Assumption. Never played nickel when he was in high school at Everett in Massachusetts. He didn't have that experience. But then he comes to South Carolina, and after a couple of days, they said, hey, wait, we need, a, we need you to play nickel. And as things played out, he ended up doing a tremendous job there. So I bring that up because – Again, it's a tricky position, and the biggest thing, I mean, it's not just, you know, a Clayton White thing. It comes down with, yes, yeah, that tremendous pick six, yep, um, against Troy. It comes down to trust. It comes down to trust. So if Clayton White, if Torian Gray, if they feel like they like Spalding on the outside more, they'll do that. I think, as you mentioned, Brand, I think you're spot on with it because he has that experience. I think it's easy to assume right now, okay, he could be the nickel guy. And if not, if not, you would assume, all right, at least you know you have someone that can play nickel if needed, right? I mean, guys get banged up all the time. We mentioned Cam Smith being able to play outside, be able to play inside this year. That's what he was able to do, and I thought he did a good job. Um Trying to go through some of these. I know we've been going a little bit longer here. Dark horse. I mean, I, I think Mario Anderson's going to be a great player to keep an eye on this year. Um, I, I truly believe, I truly believe Nick Gargiulo is going to do a good job. And it's not a position that's really easy to watch because it's that center position. But I think Gargiulo is going to do a damn good job. I really do. I think he's going to come in there and he's going to make a big impact in South Carolina. Look, I understand the offensive line wasn't perfect the last two years, but Eric Douglas is damn good at what he does. He's damn good at what he does. And losing a guy like that, it's not easy to, to replace. So I think being able to bring in a guy like Gargiulo, yes, I understand he played in the FCS ranks. I understand he played at Yale. But, I mean, we're talking Yale here, okay? It's a lot of history. And he was the captain. They only pick one captain each year. He was the captain. Um, and – I can tell you right now, they are very, 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 very excited. Very excited about that young man. Um, intern Joe, I don't know if there's anyone in particular. I, I think someone asked about, you know, other players to keep an eye on this year mm -hmm. that we were talking about from last season, Landon Sampson. Um, Landon got a lot of good reps. From everything I was told, he got a lot of good reps during bowl week um, or bowl weeks, you know, leading up to the bowl game. Um, he is a guy that I can see, and especially, look, I mean, things happen in college football, right? Guys transfer out, injuries happen, whatever the case may be. There's an opportunity for Samson to come in um, and, and have a great year this year. You know, you look at things. I mean, Corey Rucker, he decided to walk away. Um, 
it opens up an opportunity for another person. And for Samson, we know how talented he is going back to when he was coming out of Texas at high school, right? I mean, he is a guy that can be a game changer. And I expect that to be the case as well. Yeah, Mike. I mean, my, I guess, picks that uh, if I have to pick guys other than you, because I think Gargiulo is a big, a big one. Um, I think, you know, Eddie Lewis, um, we talked about his speed on the outside. Um, Just some guy for for a transfer that's coming in. um, I think he has the potential to almost have like a a Juice Wells year, um, almost. Um, Pup Howard is another guy. I think if if Pup has a great camp and, and does what he does what he does um, and, and puts his name into that, you know, linebacker rotation. I don't see why he can't have a dark horse year. Same goes for, for Stone Blanton. Either of those two guys um, can play. Uh, and then I, I think, you know, obviously offensively Landon Sampson, um, I think, you know, he's, a, he's another guy that has a lot of potential. We saw him a little bit in the bowl game. Obviously didn't produce as much as he wanted to, I'm sure. But, um, you know, he's another kid that, you know, a lot of speed on the outside, and it's it's a crowded wide receiver room, Mike. Like I, we left twenty twenty two and thinking like you know there was definitely some gaps at wide receiver. Now we enter twenty twenty three, and it's like there's some dogs in that room, man. So we'll see who steps up. And I mean, I think it'll be a little bit of a case of last year in in terms of you have so much talent. Like we talked about the absence of Dak all last year, um, yep. especially a wide receiver. I think you know this year is 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 even more so case where you have so much talent it's just all about who steps up in practice and who all steps up in camp and I think Eddie Lewis is a guy that obviously you'll see a little bit more of because of his speed on the outside and his ability to return the football so um, yeah my dark horse Eddie Lewis, Gargiulo, Landon Sampson and then obviously you hope for Pop Howard to make an impact and, and Stone Blanton will die. I think and I, and I think Pop Howard's the the easy one, right? Yeah. Um, I oh, think yeah. a lot of people are going to say that, and it's not trying to jinx him yeah. or anything, but I think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised if he comes in and makes an impact right away. Um, yeah. We'll wrap things up on this note. Again, signing day next week. It doesn't have that same oomph, if you will, compared to years past. When you're talking about signing day, you know, the second one, the first one, of course, was back in December. It's, it's just not the same, right? It's not the same. However, 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 we know that there's a lot on the line. We talked about it a little bit earlier. If you're just joining us right now, there is a lot on the line. And that guy yeah. goes by the name of one Nicholas Harbor. Nicholas Harbor is a guy that not only makes an impact when you talk about from a field standpoint, okay? I don't think I don't think it's the same as Gigi Jackson. Um, yeah. Because with Gigi Jackson's situation, college basketball, I mean, you go one and done, you're done, right? I mean, you go out, right? And I think that has been the assumption going back to when Gigi committed to South Carolina, and that's a story for another day. But I think we can all assume that, you know, or a lot of us would feel like if you, if you put money on it, G.G. Jackson's a one-and-done guy. So I bring that up because it's not the same. The impact that a five-star can have with this program, it sends a message. It sends a message because if you have a five-star that commits to USC right now, coming off an eight-win season, which, again, it's only happened 13 other times in program history, eight wins in the regular season, that's not trying to downplay the accomplishments of what South Carolina was able to achieve this year. but Eight wins, it's like, eh. I say that because if a five-star on top of, 
on top of the over 50% blue chip players that have already committed to USC for the class of 2023. If they're doing that right now, what's that say about their belief in the vision? Going back to what we talked about right from the beginning with these co- with this coaching staff, developing players, that vision of being able to prepare them for the NFL, competing for conference titles, all that kind of stuff, the vision that they have for the next couple of years. It shows that they have belief. There's going to be guys that enter the portal every freaking year, okay? Every year. All right? That's part of it. It's part of it. Welcome to the new world of college football, okay? Not everyone's going to stay. That's part of it. I guarantee you that once we get through spring ball, there'll probably be some more players in South Carolina that leave. That's just part of it. It's going to continue to happen, okay? I say that because... While that's all going on, while there's some people that look at it as, oh, my God, the the sky's falling down, people are paying attention to what's going on at USC right now. And they're not even close to getting to – they're not even close to being where they want to be. They're not even close to being where they want to be yet. That says something. That says something about the vision and the belief that this coaching staff can have on a recruiting class. So, again – They've already been able to do that with three players in the class of 2024, all four stars. They've already done that with over 50% of blue chip players. And on top of that, some very talented three stars, some transfers in there as well. If they land Harbor, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, the impact this could have on this program, especially if they can pull off at least an eight win season. At least an eight-win season in 2023. They get Harbor eight-win season at least. At least. It changes the game. It changes the perception of Gamecock football. Yeah, Mike. I mean, can't say enough good about Nicholas Harbor, right? Um, I think especially, too, him being an athlete and playing tight end and at defensive end, two positions the Gamecocks need the most. Um, can't speak about the importance um, about that, you know, anymore, you know, tight end, you've lost your entire roster of tight ends. Now you're putting together one of the more impressive tight end classes in the country. Um, I think that's huge. And then regardless, if he wants to play tight end or defensive end, there's a need there. And to get a dynamic player, that's as fast. I saw Jay Diz's comment. It's as fast as Nicholas Harbor is. I mean, can you imagine that coming off the edge of you, Mike? Something like that, that quickly, like no, I, I no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to think about that. I, exactly, I mean, like I, I don't want to see that. Absolutely not. And so, to have a guy like that, like I don't want to say it's like program changing, but Mike, I talk about it all the time and over and over and over again. It's the momentum, and right, and you can stack the momentum off of this. And Nicholas Harbor is just another domino that you, you know, that would fall and that you can build on top of, and it just, it, it it'll ripple throughout the twenty twenty four class, right? Like I think Mm -hmm. 2024 class just goes up from there and then Harbor obviously will be, you know, actively recruiting once, once he gets in. So uh, I think it's huge, Mike, we can't talk about it enough. So knocking on wood here, knocking on wood. We'll see what, what uh, (laughs) signing day has in store. Well, I'll say this. One thing that we do know that will be in store for signing day. I will be down in Columbia for a couple days next week. Very excited to get back down to SC, especially away from this freaking snow. I think my back's hurting from last night from shoveling. Uh, excited to get back down there. Uh, maybe I'll see some of you guys down there out and about in Columbia. Um, but we will have uh, plenty of 
plenty of stuff for you for National Signing Day. Again, I know it's not the same. It's not like Christmas back in the day on Signing Day. However, we know it's on the line here. We know it's at stake with USC. And as Joe mentioned earlier, as intern Joe mentioned, this would be the biggest, the biggest commitment in the Shane Beamer era. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuva. If you missed any of today's show, we got you covered. Head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. You can listen to this show in its entirety. It's over one hour and 40 minutes. Over 100 minutes, 103 minutes, 104 minutes going on. We got plenty of Gamecock talk. And intern Joe and I, we got into plenty tonight because oh, Gamecock football, there's no such thing as the offseason. If you want to listen to it on a podcast, we got you covered there. Show will be uploaded to the Gamecock Central podcast form. So head on over there, listen to that as well. And if you want some more Gamecock content, all you got to do is go into your mother's purse, take $29.99 out, okay, and go sign up to be a Gamecock Central subscriber today. That'll get you covered until August 31st, okay? So go do that. Um, Plenty of Gamecock talk um, tonight, but it does not stop over on Gamecock Central. Again, everyone, appreciate you tuning in. Intern Joe, have yourself a good night, buddy. Have fun with that. Absolutely. And everyone else, have yourself a good Tuesday night. Next time we're doing this, I think I'm actually going to be back in South Kakalaki. Uh, We'll try to see if we're going to change things up a little bit. Maybe we will make an adjustment because National Signing Day, of course, is on Wednesday. Maybe we'll do two episodes. I don't know yet, so stay tuned, and we will keep you posted. Everyone, have yourself a good Tuesday night. Have yourself a good week. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.